All right, all right. Welcome back to the Brand Collective Podcast. This is another very special episode. For the second year in a row, we are recording an episode live at Smartsheet Engage, the, the annual customer conference. And not only that, we have a special guest host, Chelsea D'Angelo. Hello, Chelsea. Hello, everyone. And not only that, we have a panel of guests. This is a podcast for marketers and creatives. And today we have uh, a wonderful marketing ops professional and a creative both joining our podcast. So please welcome Denise and Lorit. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you, audience. Yes, welcome. <laughs> yeah, we have an audience. This is very awkward when you record this usually <laughs> remotely in a very sound isolated environment. Yeah, so to get started, we would love for you to introduce yourselves and the roles that you have at your respective companies. Uh, Lorit, do you want to start? Sure. Hi, I'm Lorit. I am the content development manager at Innovative Skincare, which is the company behind the luxury skincare line is clinical. I started with a company in graphic design, and I have since transitioned into more of a digital role. I've helped plan and execute several website launches at this point, managing several websites that we currently have up and running and just kind of working more in the digital space with email marketing. And we're kind of starting to go into like paid advertisement and things like that as well. Nice. And Denise, do you mind introducing yourself and the role that you currently have? Can we get a mic check on Denise? This is the beauty of recording it live is every now and then things don't go exactly as planned. He's looking and we don't have a nod, so we're going to keep talking for a second. <laughs> switch. Oh, yeah. All right. We'll improvise. There we go. <laughs> I am the VP of Operational Excellence at Bobbitt. We're a um, construction firm. We do commercial and industrial building. We serve everything from design build, architectural design, um, and the whole general contracting process. And so my role there is to focus on really the customer and the employee experience and making sure they both have an excellent experience through um, learning and development programs, improving processes, workflows, um, making sure we have strong internal communications and external communications, um, developing learning and development programs, and also um, trying to retain and also recruit the best talent. We talk about how the lives of marketers and creatives are so eclectic, and we often come from backgrounds that uh, we find ourselves in this role after uh, different career paths and different different left turns. Do you guys mind sharing a little bit of the story of how you arrived at the role that you are now? Loritz, you want to start? Well, let's see if your mic is working. Oh, it's hey, working. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, journey is definitely a good word. Um, I did start in graphic design straight out of college. I had my first job and then I decided I want to see a little bit more of the world. So I taught English in Japan for a year. Whoa. And I came back and I'm from Los Angeles. So, of course, I had to work in reality TV because who doesn't in Los Angeles? Naturally. Um, it's and like a I rite of passage. Exactly, right? <laughs> you have to work in, in the film industry. Um, so <laughs> I decided, though, that that wasn't for me. I definitely like the design work more. So, But I, I also really wanted to um, live abroad again after that experience. It was really great. So I found an internship opportunity with an ad agency in Israel, and I worked there, and that was a really great base for working for a large agency. Um, and then I came back, and I've kind of been working in design up until this current position that's kind of started to stretch a little bit beyond that. 
And what do you mean by stretch a little bit beyond that, Laurie? <laughs> uh, just moving from purely design. I mean, that is something that I do a little bit of still, especially as far as the digital aspect goes, but really more of the digital marketing with the, the email campaigns and um, the website. Definitely lots of work on the website. So that's a, a little bit of a stretch, but I still get to keep the little bit of creative. So I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. That makes a lot of sense. And I mean... All of this is based so much, at least what we do in marketing, in, in kind of creativity. I don't think any marketer you'd meet would ever say they were not creative. And so the basis of that, of how you bring perspective and how you bring kind of um, a visual sense and a journey to everything, I think is very innate in a design and visual storyteller. Uh, so for to, to kind of make that leap into everything else, I think is actually really natural, even though you don't see it as often as, as maybe you could in 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 corporate world, at least. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely one step at a time, a little bit, a little bit more, a little mm -hmm. bit more, and it's kind of evolved from there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Denise, how about you? So my journey definitely had some twists and turns. <laughs> I uh, started really in school. My focus was industrial organizational psychology. Mm -hmm. So that does kind of lend itself to marketing, but that wasn't my intent, really. Um, so my first job out of college was with a, a, like a phone company. So I was really in the telecom world, mm -hmm. left that pretty quickly, went into the bigger Lex, like MCI was there when MCI and WorldCom did their merge, which is so famously known. And then after kind of the dot-com boom, I was really burnt out in the telecom world. And in that world, I did a lot of implementation and project management. That's kind of where I, I had that piece. Um, and I decided to just do a complete flip and went into become a marketing coordinator for a real estate firm, a commercial real estate firm in Orlando, Florida. Um, and I was only there for a few years. From that, I just, you know, kind of learned a whole new, a whole new way of doing things. Marketing was not something I had ever trained for, um, but I was creative and analytical at the same time. So that's kind of where the ops part came in. I really took to the operations part of it. And in real estate, marketing's not the typical type of ad branding. It is, but it's not to that level. It's like an advertising um, agency or you know type position. And so anyway, so I went from that to growing um, in that role into a marketing director position when I came back with a, a large commercial real estate firm. Um, and then because of that marketing operations that I was taking on within that role, I ended up moving into a more process-oriented type position. So when I came into my um, the last firm I was at, I brought some new processes and procedures and things just to try to improve stuff because we couldn't find information. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're trying to do proposals and things of you can't find client information, it becomes very frustrating. Or you know, when you need particular brand items or pictures of properties and you just don't know where anything is. So, um, so anyway, so that kind of led into that. And then I um, started my new position now, um, which is really focused more on that operations piece. Nice. It's really, it's really cool to talk to an ops person. I think you might be the first creative ops person that we've talked to. Uh, and it's such an integral, but maybe an unsung hero in the marketing space. Cause I think a lot of it is uh, the glamorous side takes all the you know, takes all the credit. Um, but I think the organizational side is so integral and so crucial. Um, can you talk about, it sounds like there was a lot of, in those turns that you've taken, uh, there's a lot of learning and a lot of adapting to new systems and adapting to new, uh, new organizational tools. Can you talk about what motivates you to keep learning more and keep, uh, keep up to date with uh, 
yeah. with your role yeah. and what your processes are? And I think that's partly why I ended up doing what I do because I'm a very continuous improvement kind of person. So when I first started with that marketing role, my very first one, we did flyers in Word and it was painful. Um, and <laughs> so, you know, then it comes to days of I taught myself in design. So I was very self-taught in everything, all of that software. And some of that just comes natural. It's something that I enjoy doing. Um, but it's really just knowing that we need to continually improve. And so we have to you know, try new things to make things work better to make things work faster, especially in the commercial real estate world. It's, I mean, it's fast. There's nothing slow. You can't wait for anything it feels like. And so you also have to learn, have to teach people and empower them to be able to do things for themselves as well. And so that was a big part of it. I feel like that's a marketer's mantra. You have to move fast. There's just no time to wait. And I feel like everyone can relate to that who's ever been any kind of marketing or design professional or even I think in their free time, everything's just so moves so quickly. Um, so I, I definitely feel that. And I think you bring an interesting point. You know, when we spoke earlier, you marketing has a really kind of unique position in commercial real estate in terms of looking at all of the other departments. And I thought that was really interesting. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes that translates and sometimes that is really probably pretty unique in terms of being the agency that helps everyone else get done what they need to get done as well. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I, I, we had mentioned is marketing gets to see all the areas of an organization and not every, you know, if, if you're in accounting, you don't always get to see all the pieces. But when you're in marketing, you see things coming from everybody, from accounting, from the salespeople, from the operations people, from the people in the field. And so it really does bring a unique perspective about how things should operate within the business for everybody to get what they need. Mm -hmm. And Laurie, I feel like you've had a pretty similar journey, really. Um, very different in terms of context, but very, <laughs> but really in terms of kind of, and, I, and again, I, I still think that's really common thread in all marketers of just like kind of bootstrapping and figuring out how you can solve a problem with, I don't know, whatever tools you have available, whatever resources you have available. Um, what was it like from a designer's perspective to try to then be like, okay, I'll figure out email marketing? Uh, well, I, I also, likewise, I'm a lot self-taught. It's one of those things where you see a need, you see that there's a void, you see something's missing, somebody's not doing something, or you see a better way to do it and you just step in and do it. And I think that that is, for me, that has always been the best way to get to learn things, getting in there and doing, and you fail, you will fail. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I will admit that I might have broken a website while we were working on our launch. <laughs> Thankfully, we had a backup, <laughs> um, and so it, I didn't do a ton of damage, and hopefully you won't fail that big, um, but, but that is just really the only way that you're ever going to learn. You've got a problem, you know what some of the tools are, and you have to figure out, well, this isn't working, this isn't working, what else can I do? How else can I come at this? And, you know, when you don't, when you can't figure that out, YouTube is there to help you. So, you know, <laughs> you, you've got that backup. Um, the other thing too is really, I also really love just to continue to learn. And that's something that, you know, sometimes we get really stuck in, this is the way that I do it. I set this up in this way and in this program and this tool works for me and it's fine. And then a newer tool comes out and it does it better. And so just really being open-minded to that. I mean, I'm currently trying to teach myself Figma because I, I don't mock up websites in Figma, but that's the up and coming and it mm -hmm. could be way easier and it could be a much better tool. And if not, I've got a fallback, but just trying and getting in there and doing it and creating a project and pushing it forward. Yeah. It, 
both of your journeys are remarkable. And I think on the uh, sort of the sadder side of this, this equation is that when trying new things or jumping into spaces that maybe you're uncomfortable with at first, there can often come with some, you know, feelings of imposter syndrome, feelings of inadequacy, uh, feelings that often you have to sort of tamp down in order to like push forward and learn those skills and feel like valid in the space that you are. Um, has that ever happened or have there ever been moments where you're like, ah, this is, you know, I, I, I really, I don't feel comfortable and I need to sort of do more work in order to feel comfortable or how do you handle those feelings? Do you want to go first? Okay. I'll definitely take that. Um, absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I think, um, especially moving into leadership positions, especially, um, and I'll even say probably more with women, imposter syndrome is a thing. Um, we were recently talking about this in an organization that I'm in. Um, and really the term, it, it just struck me when I heard it several years ago, I was like, oh, that's what it is. That's what I've had. You know, it's just this feeling of, you know, you're not quite good enough or it's, you know, am I just fooling everybody? Because, you know, when you're young and you're coming up, it's that whole fake it to you know, make, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> fake it till you make it. Oh, the pillow and, of um, youth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking I didn't have you too. <laughs> so I just aged myself big time. At least not in the early days. I didn't. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, but so yeah, I mean, it is, it is a real thing. And it's, for me, it has been having people that my leaders that are you know, in my past organizations and mentors that have encouraged me and made me feel, you know, that I didn't know what I was doing and not mm -hmm. to feel that way. And I think that had a really big impact on me for understanding that, okay, now I know what it is. Now I know how to deal with it. Yeah, I definitely feel imposter syndrome on the regular. Honestly, I lead a team of designers right here. <laughs> I and, do right now. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're in the crowd somewhere. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and I think we as women are particularly prone to that. We are our own worst critics. And I think everyone is, but I do think there's a, a female aspect to it that um, we need to amp each other up a little bit more. I think too, you know, one of the things is like, even when you're an expert at something, you know, you don't know everything. And I think mm -hmm. that plays into it too. I consider myself an expert at the creative suite. Is there stuff that I don't know? There's tons of it. That program, those programs are so intense. There are so many, I don't even think the people who created it know everything. <laughs> in there. Um, so there, there is always that a little bit of that nagging, like, yeah, but you didn't know this one thing that somebody else did. You didn't know this thing. You didn't know that thing. And you don't always, or you do it a different way. Exactly. Yeah. Especially again, creative suite. There are so many different ways to do the same thing, but you do it. And then when you can kind of look back at everything that you've accomplished, it's like, oh yeah, nope, I got this. So just kind of having that bigger picture mentality. Yeah. So besides YouTube, were there other people in your networks when you were coming up and you were doing this that you were like, oh, that's kind of like, that makes sense to me because I have this model. I think particularly women and, and um, you know, minorities sometimes don't have that, um, depending on what time you came up or what industry you've come up in. Um, Look, you know, having that role model to say, oh, this is how I fit in. This is how I do this. This is a track or how would I get there? Do you have any kind of role models or people that mentored you along the way that made it easier? I, I, I definitely want to speak to probably my, what I would call my first mentor. Um, and that was when I first went into commercial real estate. Um, she had a team of three or four other uh, 
well, actually, yeah, three or four of the women that are on her team. And in the firm, there's different brokers and they have like different coordinators and stuff that work for them. And when I first started, I was working for um, the director of that of the firm. And she had a position come open and I really liked, I saw her team, saw how they worked together. I really liked, you know, that. And I was really wanting to take, you know, go get that position. And so I knew I had to kind of tread lightly on that. And when I approached him, his response to me was, well, you know, my dad had his secretary for 28 years. And when he said when he said that, I knew that was not where I was going. And so, but it was because of her and her, you know, empowering me when I worked with her. I mean, you know, I wasn't a coordinator. I wasn't a secretary by any means. She was like, you operate this team. You operate us. You coordinate us. Like, we need you to be a part of this. And so that was like the very first person. And I've been very lucky. I've had some very amazing women um, throughout my career um, that have motivated me and inspired me and supported me um, that has really built my confidence to, to overcome you know, those things. And that's wonderful. And so I guess it could be one of two things, someone that you looked up to and was a role model or someone that pissed you off enough <laughs> exactly. to say, I'm going to do exactly what they said I shouldn't do. And either of those are also great motivation. Um, I wouldn't say that I've had a mentor. Um, I have had, you know, working creative, I've definitely had supervisors that have really helped me hone my skills with good creative criticism. So I've appreciated that. And I do feel that I've become a, a better designer over the years because of that. Um, but I, I do wish that I had that. I mean, I'm listening, <laughs> I'm listening to Denise over here like, I want that. Just shedding like a single tear. Like, oh, my, <laughs> I didn't get that. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it is important to me too. you know, I do. I hope that I, I can be that to, you know, junior designers when they come in, new people within the company. I, I like to try to be that so that just to that give a little bit of extra assistance when I can, because. I have seen from the other side, you know, I've seen people who have really gotten a lot out of that and, and the value that comes with that. Can I ask if the companies that you work for encourage growth for their employees? Okay. I've worked in some that they just aren't really that behind it and, and you know, they don't keep good talent. And um, then I've had others that are very much um, pushing their people to grow and develop because, you know, it's so costly to lose someone right now. It ha and it really, it has been that you are better off to, to invest in your people and help them grow. And one of my mantras has been as a manager um, and anyone who's ever probably been under me <laughs> could tell you this or work for me is as a manager, I want to see my people grow in the way that suits them best. It may not be at the company that they're at with me right now. I want to help give them the tools that they need to become the best version of them, wherever that may be. And I think if that's how we looked at people, you'd actually be surprised at how much you would retain those people and they don't want to leave you. Um, of course, there's other factors, but I mean, really, that's, I think that's very important. I love that. I, I've actually said the same thing to my team before. Nick actually knows this. And I'm a class taker. I take classes. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's learned a lot. But uh, smart sheet, sorry for this. But I usually say if there's something that in, if you picture yourself interviewing for a job in the future, what is the thing that you want to know how to do? I want to help you get there because I want you to grow. And I, we're not under the illusion that someone stays at a company lifelong. You know, like I want you to get everything you can out of this experience and therefore hopefully be satisfied and motivated in this experience. And they make you better. I mean, yeah. you're make, when you make them better, they make you better. Yeah. You know, as a company. So. Yeah, it's a remarkable feeling to, to feel uh, empowered to educate and to improve. I think it's just a very, a very cool part of this company that I work for. 
So thank you. Chelsea was my <laughs> my boss for quite a while. I'm going to just out you on the podcast. That's oh, why I'm like sweating bullets up here. Just like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, up close and personal review here, Nick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, oh God, flashback. Um, well, I'll add on to the, the kind of this theme that we've been going on in the sense of either mentorship or, or growth, what is something that you would tell, so say you were able to mentor someone or kind of the younger you, what is someone that you would have told um, either in terms of growth or like the way that you were talking about motivating yourself to learn things? Like what is something that you would want, have wanted out of that mentor or to have told someone you're, you know, that you are mentoring? Uh, speak up. Um, if you see something that is not working right, if you see something that you have a better solution to, if you see something that isn't being done that you want to do, speak up. Even if it's being done and, and you still want to do it, speak up. Because nobody knows unless you say something. The only way that you are going to make a difference, the only way that you are going to get to the place that you want to get to is if you let somebody know that you want to, and especially when you have any ideas. You know, maybe they get vetoed. Maybe that's not the direction the company wants to go in. But at least you have said your piece. At least you have put yourself forward and you've tried. And a lot of times it does go somewhere from my experience. I love that. I'm going to add on to her speak up. I think to follow that is to make your own path sometimes. Sometimes there may not be a path. You know, the ladder per se may not be there, but there's so much innovation and new things that are happening within places. Sometimes you can make your own path. So don't, don't become so you know, laser focused that you forget to look at other possibilities. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's beautiful to think that the rung and the ladder might not even be there yet. Like it's, 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 it takes a lot of innovation that, I mean, that takes some serious, uh, self-confidence <laughs> to be like, Oh, my possibilities they are beyond this. <laughs> um, Awesome. Well, this has been wonderful. Do we want to move on to the next segment or do, is there anything else that you want to jump into? No, I think we can. Uh, how has my performance been? Has this been okay? <laughs> We're going to talk about this after the Okay, after okay, the wonderful. <laughs> um, great. So everyone that's been on the podcast, uh, we ask these questions to, and one of them we sort of already asked in a, in a way, but maybe we'll ask it in a different way and I'll innovate on the, on the spot. <laughs> Uh, but these are more to get to know you as, uh, people, people behind these, these big brands. Uh, and the first question is, uh, what is something that you've done recently for the very first time? And either of you can answer if it comes up, but we're usually curious because, you know, often we're set in our ways. We do a lot of the stuff that we always do. Okay, I'll jump in. Oh, here we go. <laughs> um, so I like to travel a lot. Um, and one of my travel mantras is to do something that scares me a little bit when I travel. So I recently went ziplining in Costa Rica. That was new nice. and scary. I've had some other... I, I've ended up, you know, swimming with sharks and rappelling and whitewater rafting. And so... You know, do something a little bit scary when I travel. Yeah. Nice. I mean, that's all remarkable. What's the review on ziplining? Was it, uh, it? It was great. Out of five stars, what'd you give it? Yeah, no, I mean, definitely it's that moment before, you, like when you're standing on the platform, you're looking at it, you're like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> um, you have a fear of heights. 
Uh, I wouldn't say I have a fear of heights, but when you're just a rational understanding of what the possibilities are, (laughs) when when you look down from a steep, like a steep height, I think everybody has a little bit of a sense of like panic. Um, so just that the, the first step is the hard one. And it's the same thing. It was, it was the same thing with rappelling when I went paragliding, you know, like every, every time you have to make that first step, you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want (gasps) to, this is cool. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, it was great. And it was, I mean, that's definitely the place to do it. You go flying over the the jungle and monkeys and beautiful. Yeah. Do you think it's that type of risk and reward that then leads you to try new things professionally and at work when it's like, God, this is kind of scary, but maybe this could be amazing. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I guess that's practice because with travel, it's you, you see the reward much faster. So it kind of gets you in that mentality of I've done something like this. I've done something scary. I can do this. I've got it. So yeah. The adrenaline helps. Yes, it does. So I'll say Denise. it was, I guess, sort of new, but um, so I, um, I ride Harleys and I ride long distance. And what? so last year, <laughs> so last year um, was the first time I've done, I go long, I like to, to go long ways, but last year myself and three other women um, took a very, I was gone for 10 days um, and we camped. I had stuff stacked on the back of my bike pretty, <laughs> pretty tall, but we went all the way to the, um, and from North Carolina, went to the tip of Vermont um, and then came back down to the East Coast, went back to the mountains. And so um, I think just that same, that kind of sense of adventure and wanting to do something new and just the four of us kind of just going after it. You know, now it's going to be an annual type thing, I think. But uh, but it's just, it's just fuels the, the passion. That's incredible. What Harley do you have? I have a 2019 uh, Road Glide CBO. Oh, my goodness. And you guys, so the four of you, did you say you, you camped along the whole way? Not the whole way. We did. We did get into some Camp, hotel rooms. We camped hotels. for a few nights, and then we're like, "Okay, we're kind of over that. <laughs> we're going to stay in the, hotel rooms it's balanced. the rest of the way." It's balanced. It was balanced. <laughs> it was fun, um, and then it was like, "Okay, now we want the, the AC <laughs> and probably notes. the shower too." And then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and are you? Do you know the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? Yeah, I, ha- I know it. I have not read it. It's on my list. <laughs> so there's two sort of types of motorcycle. Re- writers that are referenced one that's like all about the thrill and the experience the wind in your hair and then the other that's like down to the the details of how to you know like how the motorcycle works and then the mechanical aspect and how all the parts work uh do you find yourself on one side or on the other side i definitely love the the wind and the hair and all that but i am i've been really really interested in how it works i mean i like to do my own oil changes i like to be able to work on it so that if i get stuck somewhere i can fix it Nice. And so, um, so I'm trying to, I've made my poor husband sit and like teach me all that. Works. So how does the carburetor, how does that work exactly? <laughs> Where do the pistons go? Yeah. Because I really need to, I want to understand it more. Oh. The other part's more fun. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. There's so much adventure. I have a new baby. So my adventures lately are a lot messier and less glamorous. <laughs> I was going to say, you know a lot about motorcycles, Nick. <laughs> I had a scooter at one point, so <laughs> 50, feet, 50 cc Vespa, pretty classic ride. You know, I love the wind in my hair too. Uh, I bet Lula does too. She's not riding a motorcycle, not until she's she's 28. Um, The next question that I like to ask to both of you is, uh, if you were invited to a show until right now, what item do you think you would bring and why? 
We'll let you simmer on that for just a second. <laughs> I'll take my bike everywhere. So that, that would have to be the thing. That oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, makes a lot of sense. That's just my baby. But um, I don't know. Lately, my show and tell really has is smart. You know, I feel like I tell everybody about it everywhere I go. Okay, so. that's fine. It's fine <laughs> to shamelessly fair? plug Smartsheet right now because we are sitting in the <laughs> conference <Smartsheet>. hall surrounded <laughs> by Smartsheet branding. Uh, At Smartsheets Engage. At Smartsheets Engage. How many more times can we say Smartsheet? <laughs> I only said it once. <laughs> <laughs> we made it worse. I know it's us. It's us, not you. Three is patiently I'm not, waiting. I'm not going to mention it. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, no, for me, it would be my camera. Um, that one's my baby. I love photography, especially when I travel. Um, what kind of camera do you have? I have a Canon 7D Mark II. Um, Sounds fancy. And I, it's a nice camera. <laughs> it is. Um, I definitely, with me, I take it with me and I'm like, it's company. I don't, I don't need company. I've got a camera and I love it because it really forces you, especially now everybody's so involved in their phone and they're listening to music in their own little bubble and you don't really pay attention to anything around you. So when I have my camera, I'm looking up, I'm looking down, I'm looking, you know, it just, it opens your world up and it makes you really see things in a different way. So I really enjoy it, it's kind of funny because you're looking through a narrow viewfinder. So you, in a way, you're narrowing your field of vision. Um, but I really found that it has helped me expand my my field of vision. Yeah, being very intentional with it. Feels like I'm the same way. I love photography. I love taking pictures. He has beautiful Lula pictures he shares with us. Um, did you... Um, kind of document did you have this obsession when you were in Japan and Israel and did you have these like amazing photos see that's I want to would you share <laughs> yeah I definitely I like to take my camera with me on most of my trips that was where I got my first DSLR in Japan um so it came with me all over the place uh but that is what I like taking pictures of more than anything just travel pictures where you can kind of immerse yourself in the place and the culture and the colors there are certain places that are really colorful um, yeah. So, yes, my camera comes with me everywhere. Incredible. I want to see those pictures after this. Okay. <laughs> Can you hit me with my GoPro later? Because I, I take the videos and then I just never do anything with them. <laughs> yeah, but that's perfect. An action cam for a Harley Davidson rider? Yeah. Yeah. Makes that's like. This adds up. Yeah, this adds, this tracks. Uh, designer with a, an excellent DSLR. Was it, did you get the DSLR? I feel like in Japan, they always have like the better products earlier. Was it like a, a release that wasn't even released anywhere else? I don't know the answer. In my mind, it is. But and it's, I know. It, ahead of it the felt like it. I mean, I can definitely tell you I had a smartphone in Japan way before smartphones were a thing here. So it probably was the latest yeah. and the greatest. Yeah. Uh, well, our final question for the two of you, you, you sort of answered, but we'll see if a new little wave of inspiration hits. Uh, if you were to meet a younger version of yourself, uh, what piece of advice do you think you would give? I would say study computer science or engineering. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I kind of think that I would be good at that. Just the way that I've kind of transitioned more to like the web stuff, get it, really getting into like the coding. I think that that could be fun. And I think I would have done well in it. And it's something that never would have occurred to me when right. I was younger. Yeah. So something I've like slowly started to think about over the over time. 
Um, but I think really more than anything, it's, it's embraced the journey. You know, I definitely, there were definitely points in my career where I had no idea where I was going and I felt lost and I, you know, periods of time where I wasn't working and I didn't know where I wanted to work and it gets, you get where you're going, you know, just embrace the journey. It will happen. You will get there. You will grow and you will find your way. I love that. Just breathe and go with it. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people need to hear that. And I also think a lot of girls need to hear to get into engineering, computer science, mm -hmm. all of that. We need more girls in that. That's true. Yeah. I think for me, it's just, just don't doubt yourself so much. Don't think that you can't do that and you can't accomplish that. Um, especially in the business area, you know, so I think that's for me, it's just have a little more confidence in yourself. Yeah. I love that. Took that's inspired. <laughs> Beautiful answers, both of you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the second ever live recording of Brand Collective Podcast. Uh, Denise, Lorite, thank you. Chelsea. Give it up for Chelsea, our guest host. Oh. Our regular host, Mackenzie Koss, is on maternity leave, so uh, they had to bring in the big guns with, with Chelsea D'Angelo. Oh, no. Well, thank you, Nick, <laughs> for always being the ever-gracious host. And thank you to our panelists so yeah, much for being here. For and thanks us. for coming to Smart Sheets Engage. We're going to have a great time. Thank you very much. You're listening to a Brand Folder podcast, where we like to say, strong brands live here. Join us as we build The Brand Collective, a podcast for anyone curious about the people behind the brands that we all love. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. And if you feel inspired, leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Until next time, this has been The Brand Collective.